Do you want to know the secret of making sure your child feels loved? Children desperately need to know how much their parents love them. But if we don't know their love language, we may as well be speaking gibberish. Every child expresses and receives love best through one of the five communication styles that include quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Stay tuned today as I interview Dr. Gary Chapman. We'll discuss his book, The Five Love Languages of Children. This is Kay Meyer, host of Family Shield. With me is Dr. Gary Chapman. Welcome and thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you, Kay. It's good to be with you. All right. Well, I loved reading your book and I hope that our listeners will also learn as much as I did. Dr. Chapman, why is love so important in this process of helping our children? Okay, I think almost everyone agrees that the deepest emotional need that a child has is the need to feel loved. And typically, that comes from the parents early on or someone who's serving as their parents. And in fact, if that child feels loved, the child will grow up normally. But if the child does not feel loved, the child will grow up with many internal struggles and in the teenage years often will go looking for love, typically in all the wrong places. So meeting a child's emotional need for love is the foundation stone of building a healthy child. Well, you talk in your book about the five love languages, and what I'd like to do is just go through those five languages, have you explain a little bit about them, and maybe share at least a few of them, some of the stories of how a parent might learn what the love language of their child is. So the first one is quality time. Tell us what that means. Quality time means giving the child your undivided attention. Now, in order to do this, you have to go to where the child is because the child can't come to where you are. Uh, if they're an infant, it means that you're looking in the face and you're, it doesn't matter what you're saying, you're just making sounds or noise or words, but you're looking into their face. They have your undivided attention. As they get older, let's say they're uh, two years old, three years old, they're sitting on the floor and you're rolling the ball back and forth and you say to them, whee, that's right, whee, and they're learning to roll the ball to you. They have your undivided attention. Now, if the telephone rings and you start talking on the phone while you roll the ball, the child no longer has your undivided attention. The key is quality time is not simply being in the same room with your children. It's giving your children your full attention. And for some children, this is their primary love language. This is what really makes them feel loved. So it's exceedingly important for those children that they get large amounts of quality time. All right. Very good. Now, the second one is words of affirmation. What do you mean by that? Using words to verbally affirm the child, you may focus them on uh, something the child has done. We would typically call that praise. You're praising them for something they did. Uh, you may be encouraging them to try something new that you think they're capable of doing. Uh, by such things as, you can do it, that's right, you can do it. Or it may be simply expressing affection to them. I love you. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. It's simply using words to affirm the child. Now, as the child gets older and learns how to read, you can actually write these words. Uh, you can also sing the words to the child. 
but the key is you're using words to affirm the child. And I like to emphasize uh, that we're affirming effort and not perfection. Uh, uh. Uh, a lot of parents uh, think, you know, well, if they don't do it exactly right, I should not affirm them. Right. Well, let's go back to when they were starting to walk, yeah. and they take half a step and fall. What do you say as a parent? We cheer them on. Yeah, yes, you say, yay, do. get up and go on. Yeah. You don't say, you dumb kid, can't you walk? Right, right. <laughs> so we're going to affirm them for their effort, not for perfection. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, then the, the third love language is gifts. Receiving gifts is a universal language of love. And when it comes to children, there are some children for whom this is their primary love language. This is what makes them feel loved. Now, sometimes parents will say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't give a child everything they ask. Mm-hmm. And my answer is, that's exactly right. You can't. You're the parent. You have to give them things that you think will be healthy for them. After all, it's your responsibility to decide what you give and what you don't give. But it's not important to give the child everything they ask for. What is important is that you're thinking about them and picking up little things along the way and giving them to that child. To this particular child, that is exceedingly important. And if you don't give them little gifts along the way, they will feel unloved. Now, sometimes people might be thinking, oh, we have to spend a lot of money on those gifts, but we really don't, do we? You know, uh, you can find, uh, you can pick up a stone in a city parking lot and take it home and give it to an eight-year-old boy and say to him, I found this today. I know you like stones. Look at the colors in this thing. I wanted you to have this. And I can guarantee you, if gifts is his language, He'll have that in his dresser drawer when he's 23 years old, and he'll remember the day you gave it to him. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. gifts do not have to cost money. You can just pick them up along the journey of life. Awesome. The acts of service? Acts Explain of service that. is, yes, doing something for the child, and particularly those things they cannot do for themselves. Now, we do a rather good job of this when the child is young. Uh, we, t- we put the food in, we take the food out, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. If we don't do those fundamentals, the child won't live. <laughs> so we're serving them. We're doing acts of service for them. And as they get older, we serve them by teaching them how to do things for themselves. It's okay to be putting the spoon in the mouth of, you know, your, your three-month-old, but you don't want to be doing that when they're six months old. You want them to learn how to take the spoon, lift the food, take it to their mouth. So you're teaching them how to do things. That's why I encourage parents, and particularly if this is the child's love language, teach them how to cook. Mm -hmm. Teach them, let them go grocery shopping with you. Teach them how to look at the prices and all of that so that they're learning something about money. They're learning something about purchasing. They're learning about cooking. They're learning to wash dishes and vacuum floors and, you know, obviously in keeping with their age. But we are serving them, acts of service, when we are doing things for them. That's awesome. And um, some of these, I see how they wrap together. If you're cooking something, and I do that a lot uh, with my grandchildren, you're also having time for words of affirmation and quality time. They do wrap together to some extent, don't Uh, they? Absolutely, Kay. Yeah. And then uh, the fifth love language is physical touch. Tell us about that. We've long known that physical touch communicates emotionally to children. That's why we pick up babies 
we hold them, we cuddle them, we say all those silly words, <laughs> and long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love, the baby feels love by physical touch. It's a powerful communicator to a child. And again, as they progress in age and ability, those, ch- those touches begin to change. We're no longer holding them in our arms. They're getting too big to do that, or in our hands. But we can always hug them. We can kiss them. We can wrestle them to the floor. Uh, we can hit them on the shoulders, a little, little pat on the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but physical touch is a way of communicating emotional love to a child. And for some children, this is their primary love language. This is what really makes them feel loved. And I want to mention again that in your book, you talk about the five love languages and help parents learn how to find what that special love language is of maybe their child. That's not always easy to figure out, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But what you also say, and I'm not clear if I I brought that up at the very beginning, is that every child will have one primary love language. Explain that a little bit more. It's very similar, okay, to uh, spoken language. Everyone grows up speaking a language with a dialect. I grew up speaking English Southern style, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But everyone grows up speaking a language with a dialect, and that's the one you understand best. The same thing is true with children. They have a primary love language. That's the one that more deeply communicates love to them on an emotional level. Now, the child can receive love in all five languages, but they must have heavy doses of their primary love language. Then you can sprinkle in the other four. You get extra credit for them. Mm -hmm. But if you don't speak the primary language, you can be speaking some of the other languages, and the child will still not feel loved. Mm Mm-hmm. And that would be just devastating for a child to not feel loved. And particularly when the parents are sincere. Yes, you know, of course. Parents most are parents sincere. You know, we love, love our their children. children. Yes. Surely. And, and they'll say, they know I love them because yeah. I tell them, but maybe their love language is different. Well, you've shared a couple stories, but share a few more stories of how a parent would work with, uh, let's say, um, quality time if their child let's say, was five years old, and they believed that the quality time was their specific love language that that was their best, Uh, what would they do? What are some of the other things they might do? Okay, here's a father. He comes home from work. He walks in the door, and uh, the five-year-old, he sits on the couch and and begins to drink something and and maybe turns on TV or he's watching. Let's say he's reading the newspaper, and his five-year-old says to him, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. Come into my room, Daddy. The child is asking for quality time, wants to have that undivided attention from the father. Now, if the father says, just a minute, son, I'll be there, or daughter, I'll be there, you know, just hold on just a minute. Well, the child will come back in about 60 seconds and ask the same thing. And about the third time the child comes back, they're going to jump in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They are begging for attention. And we all know this. I mean, we say, you know, children beg for attention. These particularly are the children for whom quality time is their primary language. So I say to the father, if you have a child whose primary language is quality time, when you first get home, after you've greeted your spouse, get that child, spend some individual time with them, go to wherever they are, whatever they're interested in at the moment, 
spend time with them, let them know that you are so excited about what they're doing, and then they will let you read the newspaper in peace Uh because Uh you filled up their emotional love tank. Well, what about parents that are trying to discover their children's primary love language? Um, They don't know. They've read your book, and they just can't figure it out. What are some steps that they can take to figure that out? Well, there are several ways to pick up on a child's love language. One is to observe how they express love to you, because they probably are speaking what they would like to receive. If, for example, your child is, as soon as you walk in the house, they run up to you and they wrap their arms around your leg, or they jump up on your lap, or they start messing up your hair, or feeling you on the face, they're telling you that physical touch is their language. They're doing to you what they wish you would do to them. I don't mean they consciously are thinking Mm -hmm, about this. mm -hmm. But they're, they're telling you, this is what I want, this is what I desire. So observe how they respond to you. If they say to you periodically such things as, Mommy, you did a good job with this. Mommy, no. thank you for this. Mm-hmm. You see, they're giving you words of affirmation, which means they want words of affirmation. So observe their behavior. And secondly, listen to what they complain about. You know, little Johnny, who is six, says to his mother, We don't ever go to the park anymore since the baby came. He's telling you Mm -hmm. he used to get quality time. You and he used to go to the park together. But now, since the baby came, I'm not getting the quality time I want. So listen to what they complain about. If the 8-year-old child says to the father who comes home on a business trip, You didn't bring me anything? (laughs) They're telling you Uh gifts communicate to them. Had you brought them a gift, it would have said, my daddy was thinking about me while he was away, but you didn't bring the gift, and they don't feel love because you weren't thinking about them in their minds. So listen to their complaints. What do they complain about? If, for example, a nine-year-old child says, I don't ever do anything right. I just can't please you. They're telling you words of affirmation is their language, but they're not getting words of affirmation from you. So listen to their complaints. And then another clue is what do they request of you most often? Okay. If they're saying, for example, "Uh, Daddy, can we go play ball after dinner? They're asking you for your undivided attention. Go play ball with me. If they say, can we take a walk after dinner? They're asking for the same thing. Or if they're smaller and they're saying, Daddy, can, can you get on the floor and play with me? Can we play a game together? They're asking you for quality time. Or if they walk up to you and say, would you give me a back rub? (laughs) (laughs) Or would you give me a hug? Uh They're asking you for physical touch. So listen to what they request. And, okay, if you put those three things together, you can rather easily figure out a child's uh, primary love language. Would you tell the children that you're trying to figure out their primary love language? Not necessarily. Uh, It would uh, depend somewhat on their age. If it's an older child, uh, I'd say 9 to 12-year-old, you can discuss this concept with them, that all of us have a love tank inside. Children understand that. Mm -hmm. You know, they they see mommy pouring water out of a pitcher, and we have a little pitcher inside, a little tank inside, and uh, all of us need to to feel loved. Mommy needs to feel loved, and you need to feel loved. Daddy needs to feel loved. They can get that picture and then talk about what fills your tank, what makes you feel loved. And, and so we can, we can even with a child at 9 to 12, we can say, on a scale of 0 to 10, 
how full is your love tank? And they'll tell you. You know, 10 means it's full, 0 means it's empty. And then you can say, what could I do to help fill your tank? Mm -hmm. And chances are they'll have an idea, and it will be in keeping with their primary love language. So, yes, you can can explain all of this to a 9- to 12-year-old, and in so doing, you're teaching them how to love other people, that other people have love tanks. Grandmother has a love tank, and grandfather has a love tank. And so we're helping them learn that what makes one person feel loved doesn't necessarily Uh make another person feel loved, and we have to learn to speak people's primary love language. You have a lot in your book, and there's so many wonderful chapters, but one of them that um, interested me is chapter, I think it was chapter 10, Anger and Love. Uh, tell us a little bit of about that chapter and what what you have to say re, re, related to anger and love. Well, you know, all of us have observed children who are angry. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes see it in other people's children more than we see it in our children. But sometimes we can actually see it in our own children. Most of the time, an angry child does not feel loved. Oh. There's something inside a child that says, My parents should love me. And if they don't feel loved by the parent, they feel anger. You see, anger is the emotion that arises when we sense that something is not right, that I'm not being treated fairly. And a child who is not loved senses that, and so they have anger. And they may lash out at their sibling. They may even lash out at their parents, or sometimes with a playmate. So if you have an angry child... The first question is to ask, does the child feel loved? Because that may be the source of anger. Now, I'm not suggesting that all angry children uh, don't feel loved, because sometimes children have been mistreated by parents or by uh, siblings or by, uh, you know, next-door neighbor children or whatever, and they've stolen their football or they've done something else that's wrong, and so their anger is focused on what the, the other person did to them or sometimes fail to do to them. But the first clue, the first thing you should always look at is, does the child feel love? Rather than addressing the anger, you ask, does the child feel love? Because if the child feels love, they're less likely to feel anger. Now, the other thing I say in that chapter is, if a child's angry and if they're talking, if they're old enough to talk, let them tell you why they're angry. Mm-hmm. What is it that they're angry about? What do they feel uh, has has been done that's wrong, and hear them out, try to understand their perspective on it, then you can share your perspective. And if you listen to a child, you can learn the source of that anger, and then you can deal with it. You know, it's always been amazing to me that three children are raised in the same family with the same parents, and when they get to be adults, one of them will say, my parents never loved me, they were bad parents, and the other child will say, my parents loved me and they showed me that. And as I read your book, I thought, this is probably the reason why. It wasn't that the parents didn't love that child who grew up into an adult. It was that maybe they never understood how to show love and helped them with that specific love language that they needed to hear. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, I was speaking in a prison, and uh, I said, I want to try to help you understand why you either felt loved or did not feel loved growing up. And I explained the concept of the five love languages. And after it was over, 
a young man stood up. He was about 31 years of age. That was my guess. And he said, I want to thank you for coming because for the first time in my life, I finally understand my mother loves me. He said, when you were talking, I realized that my language is physical touch, but my mother never hugged me. He said, in fact, first time I ever remember and only time I remember my mother hugging me was the day I left for prison. He said, but I heard those other love languages and my mother did some of those. You know, she worked hard to put food on the table, acts of service. She loved me. It's just I didn't get it because she wasn't speaking my language. So, you know, Kay, my hope has always been that this book will help parents do what they really want to do, and that is effectively love their children. Okay, you know, all the research is in, and that is the healthiest setting for a child is a mother and dad who are loving each other, encouraging each other, helping each other. Most couples who get married want to have a good marriage. They don't intend to make each other miserable. They're in love. Usually when they get married, they're carried along by those euphoric feelings. What they often do not realize is that those euphoric feelings of being in love last about two years. We come down off the high, and that's where we have to learn how to keep love alive. We have to learn the love language of our spouse, choose to speak it, and when we do, they feel love. And when they speak our language, we feel love. I've been so encouraged by the number of couples who have said to me, You know, we were really struggling in our marriage. I mean, we really were getting to the place we didn't even like each other. And we read your book on the five love languages for couples. We started trying it, just trying to speak each other's language. And the whole emotional climate in our marriage turned around. And we began to feel warmly toward each other again. So, yes, that that book and and the whole concept of keeping emotional love alive in a marriage relationship, when you do that, you're not only helping each other, you're providing the best setting in which to raise your children. And those five love languages are still the same. Quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch for the husband-wife as well. So uh, that's important. Now, sometimes in today's world, single parents raise children, as we talk about the five love languages. Just a couple thoughts about how they work through this with their children in a single-parent home? Well, I do have a chapter in the book on single parents because I think it's so important because so many children today are being raised in single-parent homes. And for single parents to understand this concept that each child has a different love language and I need to learn the primary language of my child and give them heavy doses and then sprinkle in the other four because I want them to learn how to receive love in all five and how to give love in all five, This helps the single parent know where to focus their attention, that is, which language to focus on. You see, sometimes single parents have less time with their children. Oh, I'm Uh, sure they do. You see, the non-custodial parent may be only seeing the child every other weekend or Mm -hmm. something, and the custodial parent is likely working full-time and, you know, just trying to keep everything going. So if you have minimal time, best spend it in the way that's most effective, in communicating love to the child. So this concept can be very helpful to single parents. What else do we need to know about the five love languages of children? One other thing I would just emphasize, and that is that when we have to discipline children, and we do, because children are not going to be perfect even if you love them, and when we have to administer discipline, if you wrap the discipline in love, when I say wrap, 
I mean, give them love before and after the discipline, they're far more likely to receive that discipline in a positive way. For example, let's say that words of affirmation is the child's language. And let's say that the eight-year-old boy has thrown a ball and broken a window. And the rule was you don't throw the ball in the backyard. So you're getting ready to discipline the child, which may be taking the ball away from the child for two days. And maybe if you're giving him an allowance already, taking the part of the allowance to pay for the window. Before you do the discipline, you say, you know, one of the things I like about you, you so seldom break the rules. Mm. I'm so proud of you. But you know you did break the rule on this one, so I'm going to have to discipline you. But I'm just so proud of you that this so seldom happens. You see, you wrapped it in words of affirmation, and the child receives the discipline, realizing it's fair, and the discipline is effective. But if the child doesn't feel loved, he may rebel against the discipline, even though he deserves to be disciplined. Well, we have just a couple minutes left. Let me just, uh, first of all, again, introduce my guest, Dr. Gary Chapman, author of many books, including the one we're talking about today, The Five Love Languages of Children, and this is the Family Shield radio program. We're glad you're listening. And again, uh, let me just ask you again, uh, Dr. Chapman, for any other thoughts that you have related to our topic today. Well, one of the things I would say to parents is, please don't hear me saying that you only speak the child's primary love language. What I'm saying is, you give them heavy doses of the primary love language, but you speak all five of the Mm -hmm. languages, because we want the child to come to adulthood knowing how to receive love in all five languages and knowing how to give love in all five languages. That is the healthiest adult. Most of us did not learn these languages growing up. We learned one or two of them, but we didn't learn all five. So you want your children to learn how to speak all five languages. It'll be easier for them when they get grown and when they get married. But give them heavy doses of the primary and then speak the other four so they learn how to receive love and then learn how to speak love to other people. You're doing your children a great service when you teach them how to love others. I think it's just awesome. Again, I just want to read the five love languages, encourage our parents to think about how they can share those five love languages with their children. Quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Chapman again and just ask for any quick thought as we close the program. Okay, it's been good to be with you. And I just, uh, you know, it's a key topic for parents. All parents are sincere. All parents love their children, but not all children feel loved. And what we're talking about is how to effectively love children, how to get through to them. You can't treat all of your children the same way and expect them all to feel loved. You have to individualize your expressions of love. Thank you so much. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. We're thankful that you're listening. We hope that you will go to church this weekend and invite a friend. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.